0: Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, the thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter.
1: I'm John Lacombe.
2: And I'm Eric Skos-Caspo.
0: Uh Well, guys, I know it's, uh, you know, beginning of February, but uh, as we mentioned last week on, on the show... Softball season is nigh, starting up this weekend, and you know, we teased a very special guest. So, uh, without any further ado, let's just, uh, jump in. Well, we are ecstatic, uh, to bring on someone tonight. Um, you know, we teased, tease this for a little bit with softball season, uh, starting like this weekend. Uh, we were so thrilled and so excited to have, uh, Northwestern softball's Sydney Soupley on, um, Thank you so much for taking the time. I know know, the season's just a couple days away. Uh, Definitely appreciate you jumping on with us tonight.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: Sydney, we're so excited, Sam and I in particular, because Sam and I are both Medill grads. And in general, we like to group Medill students into, into two categories. So there's the slightly larger category, of medill students who have not struck out jocelyn alo in the world <laughs> series and then there's the smaller group that have so you know we're, we're excited to get a member of that group onto the pod finally
3: <laughs> of course medill mafia always
1: absolutely
0: um you know obviously this season is is upon us you know we're getting ready to to start that off on friday but uh if you would indulge us, uh, just to go in the way back, not even the way back machine, but let's go back to last season a little bit. Just that was just such an incredible run. Uh, you guys went on, you know, to, obviously to the college world series. And, uh, can you just kind of take us through like when, at what point last season did you guys get the sense that this was something special?
3: Yeah. I mean, Last season was just so incredible. So many moments to be so thankful for, you know, as a softball player, you dream of the moments that we had last season and to have it become a reality is I just have such a grateful heart. Um, But really I would say it started in our second weekend when the game burst UCLA. And that was such like a pivotal point for our team because I felt like we had some, some great bigger wins before then But after that win, it kind of like solidified who we were and the country started to take notice. But what was really funny is the fact that the narrative was kind of like, oh, like this was a surprise. This Northwestern upset them. But then, you know, the upsets kept happening one by one after that game. And the only people who didn't think it was a surprise was us. Like we went in to play not only UCLA, but every single opponent that we played. like with the confidence that if we played our game, we could win. And, you know, UCLA is a great, incredible program. And I just use them for an example. But I think it was really when the whole country started noticing us. And I would say we arrived, but we already felt like we were there. We knew what we were capable of. We knew that the team was special. I could have told you that last fall, Um, but it was just the fact that everyone was taking notice
1: it's funny i mean it's it's we've made these comparisons before and obviously we're dating ourselves a little bit but it's hard not to make the comparisons to the the football team in the 95 rose bowl season and even echoing something you're saying right now which is that team I mean they always talk about it to this day that that started off with the first game of the season was Notre Dame and that there was a universal expectation within the locker room that they were going to win that game and that the rest of the nation the rest of the fan base specifically Northwestern fan base kind of was catching up to that and I think another parallel that we've talked about that that we're so interested in Sam alluded to it a little bit is kind of this hearts and minds piece of it especially relative to Northwestern nation and and Just seeing this tremendous amount of onboarding, I mean, I think in 95 is probably the same way. You had a lot of Northwestern fans who had never been football fans at a point suddenly making that shift. And here you have softball where, I mean, it is at once such a giant sport and yet has the potential to onboard so many people on and off campus at Northwestern. Was there like a specific moment where you suddenly realized, wow, Northwestern Nation is finally getting the message and really dialing in to, to what we're doing here?
3: That was honestly one of the most special parts about last season is just the amount of support that we had from the entire, you know, Northwestern alumni, the Evanston community. They were so incredible, and I would say once we became Big Ten champs, like I, I really felt like we had the entire city behind us. And then you fast forward to, you know, we host regionals, and I have never seen the Jay rocking like it was that day. I mean, it was just. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I remember looking in the outfield and seeing people literally crisscross against the fence because there was not even enough bleachers. And I think at that moment, we all just felt the love and support. And we wanted to do whatever we could to keep playing another day in front of this crowd and with each other and for in the entire university, truthfully, and, and everyone who was there supporting us. We just we felt their love and we wanted to give it right back.
2: Sydney, I'm curious about the other end of that spectrum. So obviously Big Ten champs, hosting the regional, um, ending the, the, you know, the, the season at the J on such a high. One of the things that comes up all the time with both softball and baseball is the front-loaded schedule, in, not in terms of, of quality of opponent or anything like that, but just like you and your teammates are on the road for months um just based on weather and and the way things you know play out in the midwest and i like i i feel like your first home game wasn't until early april if i'm right well the season started you know um back in february and i'm just i'm i'm curious how difficult it was to to find that confidence as a team and 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 the you know the success you talked about like like the mentality going into a game like UCLA Uh, just being on an island uh, off campus and and having not captured those hearts and minds yet.
3: It really takes a certain type of athlete to be able to play in the big 10 or I'll even say like the Midwest overall. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've been, we've been practicing since fall and our opening game will be the first day. We feel the ground ball on dirt, which is incredible. And it just speaks to, you know, how we're able to train and just be really resilient to the obstacles that we have to face due to the weather that we're in um but i think that honestly just creates an advantage for us we talk about all the time like we have to work 10 times harder to compete with teams who just get to go out and play on their field every single day and it creates like a blue collar grittiness and we're all about that just being the grittiest team being the most physical team And I really think it pays off down the road, even though, you know, it may have some bumps and bruises the first few games, working out a few kinks, but we know we're going to give 100%. But yeah, like you said, you know, we're gearing up right now. Our first five weekends are on the road. It was funny. I had a group project, and I was telling somebody, like, I'm only going to be in Evanston Monday through Wednesday for the next month and a half. Like, you're going (laughs) to have to schedule it in one of the three days. (laughs) But, um, you know again it's it could be a challenge in a lot of people's eyes but we just look at it as you know in terms of a glass half full type of mentality and we get to travel the country we get to do what we love so we just try to look at it from that frame and be really really positive about it and at the end of the day we have each other which is all we need.
0: Can you take us through a couple of your just your favorite memories of last season? Um, you know, I've, I've, Obviously, there's a ton to choose from, but is there anything that kind of stands out to you as like, yeah, this was awesome?
3: hmm Like you said, there were... <laughs> I think where to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think the first one I touched on, honestly, I'll say it was the start, was the UCLA game. I mean, Mabe Nelson, that walk-off will forever be... Ingrained in my mind. I've I've been playing with Maeve since I was 14, you know, going on 22 now, and we've been each other's throwing partners since. So to see her have that moment, I've I've never loved celebrating anyone more than her in that moment. It was so special for all of us. Um, but really, I would say the Arizona State series is just something that I will never be over I mean it was just so incredible you talk about I think arguably the best series in college softball last season three games that just went into extra innings both teams just playing their hearts out leaving everything on the line and we just never counted ourselves out and I think that self-belief no matter what the scoreboard said or no matter what the country or the rankings were like you had a team that was so bought into each other and had so much belief for whoever was you know at the plate or on the mound that we never counted each other out and it's super silly but that weekend was when we kind of adopted this like friendship wins mentality and we were so convinced that we were going to win every single softball game because we're we were each other's best friends and we were solely riding on friendship (laughs) which was kind of sweet I'm
1: so happy you mentioned every of the all those three specific things, because we were, it's funny from, from our end. I mean, I mean, going back to what you were talking about with the winter piece of this, right. And the building, the toughness going out on the road. I think the crazy thing for, for people who are not, who have not been big softball fans for a while. Right. And again, there's the potential within Northwestern to onboard so many people. Um, It was the way that, that, that the team kind of grabbed everybody in February and then it's like fast forwarding all the way around to this year and we're like oh and that's the thing it's like snow on the ground it's cold outside and you go oh my gosh softball's about to start and we're and you said we suddenly all get so excited but it's funny you talk about Mave's home run because I think from our perspective you know covering the team and tweeting out so many things about the team last year and everything was that it all happened so organically like the team just grabbed us and Maves home run was such a big thing you talk about being so excited in that home run i specifically have a vivid image of you celebrating that home run because we were ripping gifts of that entire series and putting them up and they were so like you just saw everyone descend on those images and it was just this like spontaneous group celebration that that NU Nation was having in February which I mean again is so incredible and and it's why we're so excited for now but then the the the, the Tempe Super Regional we all sold years off our lives to watch that series (laughs) but it was it was it was worth it I mean it was it was incredible I mean I watched every second of those and I can only imagine what you guys were were feeling one thing I wanted to ask you um About, you know, kind of one of the final things relative to that this past season was, obviously, it would have been so easy for that incredible senior group to just ride off into the sunset um, on the backs of such an achievement. But then, you know, they made this incredible decision to come back. Was that something that had been you know, percolating? Was that something that was known? Was that something that was a decision that was made after the world series? What was the, how did that come about?
3: Each previous senior who has now come back for their fifth year, they really had their own timeline. There was about two that we knew kind of like going into season or like midway through season, um, But then, I mean, there was one even as late as like a month after season that decided to come back. So I think that really speaks volumes to just kind of Kate, Carol, Michelle and the whole staff about how supportive they were and just kind of letting each person go through their own path and their own journey. And they really didn't want them to make the decision until they felt that their full heart and minds were in it. Um, at the end of the day, they were going to support them no matter what they picked, but they kind of let each person go through their own process. And then eventually, you know, five of them led to coming back, which I'm super thrilled to have him back. You know, it's it's been amazing as a team. I feel like we haven't really changed much. And we were able to see actually for our ring ceremony last weekend, like Rachel Lewis, uh, Lauren Dvorak, Lauren Caldron, Sammy Stanley. So it was wonderful to give the other four back with us um, was really cool.
1: So, should we pivot to to one of the most exciting spring sports seasons we've had on deck in quite a while? <laughs> I I'll tee it off. I, I was wondering this and, and kind of alluded to it before, and you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but kind of as a way to tee off a preview of this season. I mean, so you guys are sitting in a place. Uh, I think, you know, in, in terms of the way that a lot of NU Nation is going to look at it in a place that not a lot of Northwestern teams across the major, I'd say like the, the six or seven sports, right, that field close to 300 teams across pretty much all of Division One, And that's a, you know, it's a group that's football, basketball, softball, baseball. Um, but you guys are sitting kind of where like very few teams have sat, where Northwestern football sat after the Rose Bowl season in 95 going into 96. Um and this, where like so much in terms of the the perception of the team and the way the nation, the way all of the university is rallying behind the team and everything, so much has has changed in that respect. Um, and it, and you know, in the case of Northwestern football, it really worked out for them in '96. But other Northwestern teams have kind of. At times, struggled in that you know in that unique position. So, how do you guys manage expectations when the the landscape so much has changed? You know, the eyeballs are here. Everything um, has shifted, if not inside the team, outside of the team. How do you guys manage that going into a season like this?
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, pressure is definitely a privilege and you have to look at it from that aspect. But I would say we're really just tuning out a lot of the outside noise. I mean, yes, to come out ranked where we're ranked is, you know, kudos to what happened last season. But, you know, as much as last season was so exciting and I'll forever cherish it, like all eyes are moving forward with this new group that we have and making new memories and finding our identity as this team. And so I, I think we're, we're ready to put the season behind us to rest and just go after whatever the season is to come. And the only way to do that, I feel like, is to really let go of expectations of ourselves. And I think why we were able to succeed last year was because we were able to celebrate every little moment from a win I mean, we celebrated UCLA in some of our previous game like it was the World Series. And I don't think we want to lose that mindset. We, we still want to be able to celebrate all the little moments because when we do that, we're just filled with so much joy and love for the game and for each other. So while our ranking might be different going into the season, I really believe we still have that same underdog grit mentality that is just going to every game like it's the biggest game ever. And that, we're the only people that needed to believe in ourselves and who cares what the rest of the world thinks because we didn't care about what they thought when, you know, they maybe counted us out. So why are we reading into what they're thinking about us now, even though it's the opposite? I think we just have blinders on and we're so focused on each other and our relationships and how we can grow from the first game to the second game.
2: When you think about the, the strength of your team, you know, what, what gives, what gives you know, y'all the most confidence and, and and maybe even like in a, what's well, about the mindset and the, and the, the, the team camaraderie piece, right. But, um, in terms of, you know, is it, is it a de- defensive and, and pitching mindset? Is it a offensive mindset? Is it just, you know, what, whatever the moment is, own that moment and win that moment. Like, like how, how are you approaching that as a team this year and has it changed any from, from the past season?
3: I'd say what separates us is just a competitive mindset. Like you mentioned, you know, pitching, you mentioned offense. I would say we're so obsessed with whatever we're doing. I'm being the very best at it. And, you know, I think we pride ourselves on being well-rounded team that that's good at all aspects of the game. I shouldn't say good, but great. And we just have a room full of people who are so competitive. Like practices are, are really passionate. It's for people who have never seen them. And we get really into it. Um, and, and I think that just allows us to give 100% of whatever we do. And I think that's what makes all the Northwestern teams really, really special. I think Kate's never willing to accept anything but our best. So we show up every day. And you just get used to putting your body and your hearts and, and everything on the line. So
0: can you t- take us through like some of the, uh, obviously, you know, Rachel Lewis moving on. Um, how do you, re- how do you replace her? But, you know, with so many, uh, so many people back, you know, the team's going to look pretty similar, but obviously there's going to be a-, a few changes. Uh, can you kind of run us through uh not, not necessarily the lineup, but, you know, what, what to be looking for this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, nobody's Rachel Lewis. Nobody will ever be <laughs> Rachel Lewis. We wouldn't want to replace her, even if we could, which we can't. I mean, she's one of a kind, and she, to be her teammate, was so incredible. And I have nothing but love and respect for her. I think she's one of the best to ever play the game, especially in the Big Ten. Um, but... Like I, like I kind of mentioned before, I, I don't think we're trying to replicate who we were last year by any means. We have a lot of the same players back, which is just going to allow us to have great experience. But I think what we have is incredible depth in this team. I think our underclassmen and just everybody in general under and upperclassmen have taken it up another level. Um, You're going to see new faces from one of our grad transfers and three freshmen who are just incredible softball players, but truthfully, even better people off the fields like our, our freshmen just bring so much love and joy and happiness in the game. And, and our grad transfer has a ton of experience. Um, So I think that just adds even another layer of depth and excitedness that we have around our team because I really feel like we're too deep at every position and too deep in terms of we have multiple people who can play at the highest level. Um, So, again, I I just say really not trying to recreate who we were last year, but just find this new identity with this team in an even better, unique way.
1: It's. I mean, it's funny – we we were talking kind of leading into this, being like, okay, so Rachel Lewis. But then when you look around, I mean, and like you were saying, I mean, we're so excited to see these freshmen. But even you know, players like Loskaworski, Ayana Lindsey, like we saw them play in huge moments last season because this team was playing in in really big moments. Um, but then, I mean, there there's so much back. I mean, we were talking about the outfield, like you said, you're you're losing Rachel Lewis, but I mean, the, the outfield has one of the best leadoff hitters in all of softball in Skylar Schellmeyer, And then we saw Angela Zedak hit absolute moonshots last season. Um, so, and, you know, and, and that, and, and quote unquote, like that's an area of the outfield where you're having to replace because in the infield, you're not having to. Um, I, I was curious specifically about that with the infield where, I mean, you have this unbelievable four player nucleus around the bases um, that's coming back. What is that kind of nucleus, you know, f- at first, second, short, third do for a team to be able to have that coming
3: back for you? I think it makes it a really smooth transition because they know each other so well. Um, you know, there's kind of that unwritten, unspoken language, I should say, where you kind of understand the person next to you. You understand their range. You understand their tendencies, what balls they can get to when they break here, that's when you cover the bag. And so I think that chemistry has already has such a strong foundation. So now this year we just focus on getting even stronger in it, um, which is really exciting. I think, you know, our day one this fall with each other looked a lot different than our day one last fall with each other, because we were able to start so many steps ahead and just build on that. Um, but, I mean, we also have two new faces who came into the infield and, you know, they've been really pushing all of us. You know, they, they came in with a lot of talent, a lot of heart, and, and that's just been great for our group as well. Um, our practices are super, super competitive. Um, when we scrimmage, you know, you're, you're scrimmaging another basically top team in the country every single day, uh, which is really exciting and makes us all better.
1: So... Personal question, before we directly get to to pitching, from your perspective, what is it like to pitch to the best catcher in softball?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jordan's great. I mean, she's absolutely such a beast behind the plate. And as a pitcher, you know, your catchers should be your very best friends for all that they do for you. And I think I can speak on behalf of every single person on our pitching staff that, We are so thankful for Jordan and, you know, how good she makes us look from behind the plate. But just honestly, who she is, she she puts her body on the line year after year, you know, gives everything that she has. And she's I'm so happy to see all these awards that she's been able to, you know, accumulate this past season because she's very deserving of them. And, you know, Rudd and. You mentioned Saborski and, and all the other people who help out and catch bullpens. You know they're such a blessing for our team.
2: So John alluded to it. Um, the uh, you, you're you're part of this battery for Northwestern that is um, that was awesome last year. Uh, loses Lauren Dvorak and I, I'm not sure if there's anybody else who was a heavy contributor last year, but but picks up uh, Cami Henry, who you already alluded to coming over from from DePauw. Um but obviously Danielle Williams um is one of the you know, maybe maybe one of the greatest athletes. Who is this? Da- uh, Danielle Who?
1: Who is this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Um just an incredible athlete for from from a northwestern historical perspective. What's it been like um being a battery mate with her uh during your career at NU?
3: Danielle's a special person. I think everyone knows the supple side of her, but being her teammate, I've gotten to know just the personal side of her and, and I Honestly, can't think of a better human being, just so kind, so loving, so supportive. Um, It's easy to celebrate her as her teammate for all of, you know, her successes because she is such a wonderful human being. And honestly, I'm so thankful to not only be her teammate, but just be a friend of hers for life. Um, Our apartments are super close, like down the street. And I mean, we both love the same things—from just smoothies, walks, everything in life. We're each other's lifting partners, so I get to, you know, just be with her even more so on a daily, and get to just really have such a genuine relationship with her. And, you know, I just I can't tell people enough when they when they know the softball side of her, just to tell them to get to know the personal side of her, because you'll be even more impressed.
1: Well, that's, that's kind of a, a whole other piece of this too. And, and again, it's like the hearts and minds. But I mean, I, I, I meant to mention even when we were talking about the infield. I mean, it just there, there is that. And again, obviously, like we on the outside don't have the ability to make those connections that you guys on the inside do. Obviously, like not even close, but. The personality of this team and the personalities of the players on this team, whether it be Danielle or you or Maeve Nelson, who it's like watching Maeve just when anything is happening, just just making the outs as a standard, just a standard half inning in the field. It is just the most infectious thing. And that group, like, I mean, it's 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 why we're all so fired up. It's not just the wins. It's the way. You all have pulled us in and it's just so, it's just a, it's a special thing. And we're just so stoked um, that we're going to get to watch another season um, of excellence from you guys, which starts (laughs) days from now. Um, And obviously I think Scuzz alluded to it earlier. You talked about it. You guys have this unbelievably challenging schedule that starts right off the bat. I mean, you have teams, like Clemson coming down the pike, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Um, And then two days from now, you guys are playing Texas. So what is the mindset? Where are you guys right now? What are you doing right now? What are you preparing to do? Um, And and kind of where is the team right now heading into this?
3: We're fired up. I mean, we've been waiting for this day. We've had it circled opening weekend. And I think we're so excited just to – step back on the field together again. You know, I, I think we we got a bite of what we wanted last year, and I think we're just hungrier than ever for more, truthfully. Um, Friday will be really fun. Opening weekend is always one of the best weekends of the year. Um, but like you said, we have, you know, an incredible opportunity ahead of us with our schedule, but really we're just all eyes on taking it one day at a time. Um, we just had film where – you know, we were just really breaking it down one game at a time. So our, our focus is on South Alabama for our very first game. And then, you know, once that happens, we'll move on to Texas. And then after that, we'll, we'll finally then flip the page to start looking at our Saturday opponent, but just really honing in on the job we need have to get done on Friday and then go from there. But we could not be any more excited to, to play for everyone as well.
0: That, that it's so interesting. Um, You know, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around how do you prepare for five different teams over three days? I mean, that's got to be just
3: wild. (laughs) It's a good thing we're Northwestern students. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it is good. And, and, you know, we're fortunate that we have coaches who do an incredible job preparing and then an incredible job preparing us and knowing, you know, how much information – is enough and how much is overloading and what we need to be successful. So, you know, we really just break it up in terms of when we focus on which team and then when we can change our focus to the next team. And we stay really, really disciplined in that. We make sure that we're prepared every game that we go into, but we're not trying to overload our brains where it it becomes not beneficial.
1: So maybe I think... This might be a good pivot into, you know, I mean, again, we're so stoked for this team in this season, but one other thing that we wanted to, to, to hopefully talk with you about a little bit that, that kind of dovetails right with what you were just saying is, so going back to the top, I mean, Sam and I were both Medill grads. So, I mean, we know about the rigors within Medill um, and we know what it's around, looks it's like to be around like the best of the best and, and be able to point to someone and be like, you're going to be really successful in journalism. Maybe not me, but you're going to be really successful and, uh, you know, and going on teaching media when everyone else is doing their study abroad. Um, but then there's this whole other level that you're experiencing as a student athlete. I mean, and, and kind of a little bit of. Inside, I mean, inside softball in this case. I mean, you were telling us beforehand that, I mean, you were talking about tape study, but you were also talking about having like seven hours of class. And so, I mean, what is it like to experience the rigors of a Medill curriculum um, while you're being a top student athlete on one of the best teams in the country?
3: It's a challenge. I mean, I, I will never sugarcoat it, but I love what I do so much. And I actually... I have a post-it note that's like right besides my bed. So I wake up every morning and it says, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. And it's something I like reread to myself every day because you could, you know, for example, this morning I was up at five 30, we had practice six 30 to 10. I have classes from 11 to six, go home, grab a quick dinner, you know, film seven 30 to eight 30. And then you know, uh, I, I, then
1: these three jack wagons wanted to pull you <laughs> onto a podcast.
3: No, 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 I'm so excited that you asked me to be on. I love doing this, but I mean, that's I hate to say it, like not a super abnormal day, um, just to be going all the time. But I truly believe I am the luckiest girl in the world to have all these incredible opportunities. You know, being at Northwestern has been such a dream come true for me personally. Like you said, just being a Medill student. I've always known that journalism was my passion. So to be able to go to one of the top schools for journalism and compete at the highest level in softball, I, I couldn't ask for any more. You know, I, I thank my my stars every single day.
2: So I think since the, the and I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not going to capture everything here, but since the end of last season, um, last softball season, that is, you have uh, you've been on a whole host of broadcasts for. Uh, Northwestern games, you um w- worked as a freelance writer for CBS Sports. Um, obviously, you ran your blog during the season last year. Like, what are some of the highlights of um the work that you've been doing in the journalism field off the uh, you know, off of the softball field?
3: I mean, gosh, writing my blogs is something that I truly get so much joy out of. That I'm first of all, I just have to say, I am also so fortunate to be on a team where my coaches are like. Do whatever you want cover what you want like we know this is what you want to get into so we use our team as kind of like a team you're able to build a platform off of and have a voice and so i've really embraced that you know i feel like i can be an inside voice to our fan base and just kind of give them behind the scenes and i mean writing a blog about a team going to the world series was definitely one of the highlights of my journalism life so far um, that was really, really neat and really special to be able to talk about my own team and our personal experiences. But then what you mentioned this fall, um, I was able to start calling volleyball men's and women's soccer games as either the color commentary commentator or the play-by-play analyst. And that was something I did not realize how much passion I had for, like, I absolutely loved it so much. It felt like just like what a normal game day would be like, you know, I'm studying the players and I'm there a few hours before the game. I think I was literally the first person in the volleyball gym. The first game I called Um, (laughs) as I was like, I was, it felt like a game day. Like I had a good breakfast, you know, I, I was all psyched. And once the game started, like I I was all in, just like you would be playing. And I think one of the highlights was being picked to call, um, women's soccer's first round of the NCAA tournament that we were able to host here at Northwestern that we won that was really really special just for to see that team um, kind of have that huge moment and really just the way they've turned their program around was so cool um, and then CBS Sports is somebody I started riding for in the spring and then I actually did my residency this fall there as one of um, there had people for their digital content. Uh, I work specifically for their all female show called we need to talk, which I actually am also working part-time right now in season. So I have balancing that as well, but, uh, I I love it. (laughs) No, I know. And then more excitingly, which I said, I was going to share with you guys on the pod. I had just started my own softball players podcast and I'm super excited about that. I've I've had a few episodes recorded, and it, it's really I wanted to use kind of my connections I had while being in the game to just shine a light onto softball players across the country, and for people to find out for who they are more so as people than even as they are as athletes. And I mean, I have Brooke Nelson from Washington in my first episode. I have Montana Fouts coming on next week um maya brady in a few weeks so i'm i'm really really excited for that
1: yeah i was gonna say first of all tell us exactly where to find it
3: <laughs> um so it's going to be released very very soon you guys are actually the first people i've told about it um so i it's going to be basically on all of my social media platforms and it's going to be on apple and spotify and it's going to be called from the Players.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, we're uh, obviously, we are going to be promoting that. And and obviously, everyone should be following Sydney. I wanted to kind of dovetailing with what you were talking about with your work on CBS. um, And, um, and I guess the podcast, but you're, I think, from our perspective, you're part of an important group. um, And that's so and you student athletes who are going or hope to go on to or have gone on to notable things in the world of journalism. Um, and if you look at Northwestern, I mean, that that goes way back. I mean, it includes like journalist legends like Rick Tillender, who played football for NU. Um, but it's a really special group, particularly with respect to female journalists. Um, and we have someone like Lisa Byington, right, who's making history with the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Um, and you could expand that into People who are really, whether they played in, in college or not, really exceptional high school athletes who went to Medill, like Christine Brennan or Cassidy Hubbard, um, and tremendous impact that they've made. Um, and know that, again, through like the work you've done from CBS and otherwise, you've had the opportunity to to interact and speak uh, with a lot of these women, a lot of these excellent former athletes, female journalists who are groundbreaking, who are paving the way, um, who are making so many um, incredible steps within the world of journalism for women. What has been your takeaway from some of those interactions that you've had?
3: I mean, the women that you just listed are honestly some of my favorite women in this world, in this industry. I have been so fortunate. The fact that this, you know, we talked about the Mandela mafia, but I'll even say just Northwestern alumni in general about how willing they are to just give back and really just inspire people like me to want to be like them someday. But then just honestly, give me the time of the day. You know, I can't tell you how much I've talked to Christine Brennan about just kind of my whole path throughout college. I've been able to just call her whenever I needed. And, you know, she's walked me through, you know, applying for middle master's program and and just the, the benefits to that. And, and Lisa Byington has just taken me under her wing in, in so many incredible ways. I cannot be any more thankful for her. When I went home for a break from Wisconsin, um, she had me at the Bucks game. And I was able to sit right behind her with the headphones on and, and watch the game as she was calling it in real time. And, and And people like them who are so willing to give back to somebody like me is just so empowering. And if I'm ever in a position like that, you know, I, I would want to do the same. And, and I should even mention Ndidi Massey, who is a former Northwestern softball player and Medill as well. She is is somebody who's been a mentor of mine since the day I stepped on campus. And she has been my connection to CBS Sports, which is really who was able to help me connect with people there and is what started that whole process and opportunity for me.
0: I mean that that's that's absolutely incredible and and really really great to hear and you know the the, the quality of people who come out of Northwestern it, it's not surprising that uh, you've been able to make those those connections especially with with those women that's that's really really great um, I I don't want to keep you up all night you've had a really long day and you know you, I, you guys are probably flying down to Florida tomorrow
3: yes we're flying tomorrow.
0: Then, yeah, de- definitely don't want don't to keep you up too much later. Um, did you get that ball that you struck Jocelyn Allo out with?
3: <laughs> I did not get the ball, but I, I do have a funny story. I was walking that night. I, I went out of the hotel with my parents for a little walk, and the amount of people that stopped me and were like, were <laughs> you the pitcher? I, I was shocked. I was like, how are people recognizing me right now? But, um, I, that just speaks volumes to how amazing Aloe is and what an incredible hitter she is. The fact that people, you know, that this was such a huge deal and, and I just, I have so much respect for her. So I think it's kudos to her because she's a talented hitter. And if we're able to, you know, celebrate so much on a a strikeout of hers that then, you know, how powerful and what a career she's had.
0: For sure. Um, Real quick, uh, before we let you go, where can people follow you online, um, Twitter, whatnot?
3: Yes, all of my social media platforms are at sydney, S-Y-D-N-E-Y underscore suplee, S-U-P-P-L-E. And then feel free to follow all the NUSB cats as well. Follow along with our team this season. And I can't thank you guys enough for having me on this podcast and all the support you give our team.
0: Well, I, and we thank you for taking the time. I mean, like we've, we've loved the, the softball team forever for years when we had our tailgate for football, uh, in the West lot, we tailgated next to Carol and the team. So like we got, we've gotten to know the softball team, you know, for years and it's just been amazing. And like I, I brought my, my then five year old daughter to her first game last year, uh, against Michigan. And, you know, that moonshot that Rachel Lewis hit, uh, we were, we were sitting kind of right under that as it went over our heads. So, um, I'm hoping I'll be able to bring her to another game this year. She's not so into sports. You know, I had to bribe her with mustards last stand to stay an extra inning or two. But, uh,
1: (laughs) yeah, but, but again, I mean, it's like we go way back, but at the same time, like we're like everyone else. Like we all got pulled on board this unbelievable ride last season. And, uh, And we're so grateful. Um, And so, so thank you for that. And you know, we can't wait to do it again.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and next time you bring your daughter, feel free to have her stand in line after. We'll definitely sign a ball for her or something. Maybe that'll be enticing for her to come again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, Thanks again for your time. Uh, Best of luck this season and uh, go get them.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it. Go cats.
0: Go cats. Uh, Once again, Thank you, Sydney Supley, for taking the time to jump on with us. Um, you know, really, really excited for this season, and I can't wait to to watch as best we can. You know, as they you know, start off five weeks on the road, um, you know, get racking up those frequent flyer miles. I I sure hope, but uh, yeah, real,
1: real exciting. Yeah, and so illuminating in terms of just the grind, the grind of a student athlete, and the grind of someone like Sydney Suppley who is. Again, full rigors of Northwestern, but trying to get every bit out of the chance to broadcast and participate and, and be a part of it, be a student broadcaster and take advantage of all these extracurricular opportunities and make a, you know, build a foothold in journalism, which obviously I think we all know Sydney is going to be a rocket ship in the world of journalism. We're going to be hearing a lot more from in the future, but just to balance all that with um, you know going out on the road and, and this this crazy road journey that they're about to go on is just incredible
2: yeah I mean that, when she talked about how how intense and just you know it, it takes a special player to play in the big ten and she's obviously a special person a special player and, and every in all those ways you just mentioned John balancing the rigors of of uh, one of the hardest places probably to play softball um, with journalism and everything else is is, is really commendable I, I won't lie when she's talking about like the mentality of the team and the blue collar grit, all that, all that, all that jazz, the, 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 privilege of the challenge ahead of them. I pretty, I pretty much ran through a brick wall in my house. So <laughs> um, what, wh- while everybody still has a softball in the mind, I want to highlight this. Um, so March 21st, it's a Tuesday at 3 PM is the first home game at the J. Uh, they're hosting the university of Illinois, Chicago uh, for one game and one game only. And then that following weekend, March 24th, 25th and 26th, the Minnesota golden Gophers will be in town, uh, for three game series. Um, Minnesota is typically, uh, toward the top third of the big 10 conference. I don't know what they're looking like this year, but, um, conference season, the homestand, uh, games that, that most of the folks listening to this podcast right now could potentially attend start, um, that last, uh, uh, last weekend in March. So, um, circle your calendars now, uh, and, and get up to the J if you, if you possibly can.
1: We should mention too, um, on the backs of, um, the really successful, I mean, this, this coming weekend, we're going to talk hoops in a second, but this coming weekend, um, the Purdue game, and we were part of this, this effort with like the post and the Chicago alumni club to put this, this whole group together, 75 people, Going into this game and we are definitely there's something in the works for softball. We're gonna to try to do the exact one, s- yeah.
2: 1 million percent. Yeah. We're
1: <laughs> we're hammering out the details, but that is absolutely something that's gonna be happening. So if you want to get on board with that, don't worry. There are there are gonna be opportunities.
0: If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago. Simpson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients, no fee unless he wins. The Simpson Law Group, compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312 332 2107 for a free consultation, and go, Cats. Uh, so you mentioned basketball, and, you know, we talked a lot of basketball last week uh, that, you know, this week's games were going to be, you know, very, very telling. And, you know, for the team to kind of get off their schneid, you know, the two kind of big losses to Iowa and Michigan, for them to head up to Madison, uh, win a game at the Kohl Center, uh, you know, 54-52 rock fight. I mean, that that Oof. those those games with Wisconsin are usually pretty, you know, pretty black and blue. Um, yeah, I, I still can't get the black and gold jerseys that Wisconsin was wearing uh, out of my mind. Uh, hideous. <laughs> um but to sweep Wisconsin for the first time since the 1995-96 season, um, to date myself a little bit, that was my senior year in high school. And this is the first time that the cats have swept Wisconsin since then. It's a big deal. It's It's really big it is a big deal and we
2: we talked about how these next two games are going to be really critical they were effectively must wins for northwestern um i still think ohio state is i mean this this wisconsin game is you know was was the i guess not looking at record but looking at how past games have gone the easiest matchup for northwestern of the of the five impending games um and they they absolutely had to have it they got it um it took, it was it was a herculean effort um Brooks Barn- Barnheiser with a, a, a game winning rejection at the end um, or a game ceiling rejection at the end, I guess I, sh- I should say. But uh, you know, on a night where, where the cats um, struggled shooting from three, um, their defense uh, kind of came back to life. Um, not as many t- turnovers as I would like to see still in single digits there, but held Wisconsin under 40% from the field. And um you know, they they're they're doing what they need to do to, to to win. I think uh this this upcoming game against Ohio State on Thursdays a huge opportunity for them to rectify what was one of their their worst performances earlier in the season and we'll we'll see how they go. We'll see what they have in store.
1: Yeah, I think um I'm um, I don't want to say of two minds because like you guys said, the important thing is again, like Sam said, this is it's not literally unprecedented, but you have to go all the way back to 95 to find the last time. And to do it when it's clear having watched these two games that Northwestern and Wisconsin are on a knife edge between these two teams and for Northwestern to come out on top for both of those two games, like that's grit. On the other hand, I mean, again, we, I don't want to go too down this. We talked about this extensively last time that ultimately this team has made this ironclad decision, you know, as much out of necessity as anything to ride or die with Boo and Chase. And in Chase's case in particular of, of late, the accuracy has dipped off and the volume has not and i think the the thing that kind of stuck in a lot of people's craw a little bit coming out of this one i mean they the, again the win is the win and that's the most important thing but i think so much of this is is sometimes you have you know where it's like look we're, we're riding and dying with these guys for better or worse but again we're not seeing other guys step up well in this game Scuzz talked about it. Barnheiser was incredible. I mean, the eight and seven that he put up doesn't begin to highlight his contribution, um, the energy level, but the confidence he was getting into the paint where he's really comfortable and getting high percentage shots. And we've kind of talked about this before that he has the ability to big boy guards in there um, and, and get in there and just go to work and, and kind of use his physicality to get into the paint and generate a high percentage shot. And, and, <clears throat> kind of Northwestern in crunch time in this game just reverted to form and was like, you know, when when the you know when push comes to shove, we are going to ride or die with the two guys that have operated our offense for the entire season. Even though you had you know relatively speaking a hot hand out there, and hopefully you are going to see as the season goes on, you know, the willingness, particularly with Barnheiser, who seems to be emerging as a guy who wants to be that guy and maybe we'll be that guy next year to try to to try to really integrate him a little bit more but i mean the you know the bottom line is this team's awesome on defense they're getting it done with defense they want another one their way um, Titus Verhoven being kind of a symbol of that i mean just an absolute workhorse out there coming off the bench contributing in every way um, defensively and and again this team's played Wisconsin twice, and ultimately they've beaten Wisconsin their way twice with defensive soul and character. And, yeah, you hope that that that's same thing with a little bit more offense spiced in is, is going to carry us against Ohio State.
0: couple other little bits of news and notes uh, to cover before we get out of here. Um, very quietly, I, I had this was not on my radar at least, but uh, kind of out of nowhere – uh Northwestern football announces that they're gonna be playing Iowa at Wrigley Field, uh, this season. Um, you know, in you know that that game was you know supposed to be at Ryan Field and, and it's moving to Wrigley. Uh whether or not that game will outscore the Cubs uh <laughs> remains to be seen. Um, you know, they they could maybe go back to the only one end zone because that's the only thing that we may not even need that uh you know the the jokes are sort of writing themselves, but uh you know very interesting, like you know you kind of read between the you know reading the tea leaves, kind of reading between the lines, you gotta wonder if you know i mean this is kind of late to be i mean kind of late to be announcing that sort of thing. I feel like uh you know in in previous years, like we'd known well in advance. And yeah, I mean, it's still several months away, but like, I feel like we knew about Wrigley games, you know, a year prior. So I'm wondering if this is sort of, as they begin to get things in place for your demolition of Ryan Field to build the new stadium, um, if this is a way to, you know, I guess, start start the nomadic road trip. Uh, a little bit early you know it, there's only one game after that Iowa game at home and that's uh, Purdue so you know we'll we'll see if uh, maybe that gets moved somewhere
1: yeah. I, I don't know I think all all eyes are on that November 18th Purdue game you're absolutely right because as you said and when we were talking about this Sammy right you move that Purdue game and uh, you know they can be doing demo by Halloween, potentially, right? Which again, I you know, who knows if that's the plan or why they're doing this? And obviously, we know there are going to be a ton of Wrigley games. Well, we don't know, but we're guessing there are going to be a ton of Wrigley games on the schedule in the near future, and this could just be kickstarting that. But yeah, all eyes on November eighteenth for sure.
0: And uh, one other note, John, I think this is uh you know something that's kind of near and dear to your heart, but uh, Northwestern Vencing knocking off number one rated Notre Dame uh big 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 stuff for the for the fencing team
1: as as we said online wake up the echoes and then stab the echoes with your weapon and put the <laughs> echoes down <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's awesome i mean yeah again my my wife was stoked about that i mean and and for anyone who knows i mean i you know you'd have to know the fencing community but Notre Dame traditionally is a powerhouse program it's not just this season Northwestern and Notre Dame go head-to-head in the Midwest and have for a long time so this this will always be a big win but it was an especially big win to knock off number one this year so yeah kudos to them
0: um that that's all I've got uh you you guys got anything else uh, to mention before we get out of here tonight
1: yeah. So I wanted to, to specifically bring this up. And if you guys have been following our social media, you know, we, we brought it up today. Um, so we're, we're not in the habit of really doing this, but this is a kind of a, a specific situation. And um, so I, I wanted to bring this up. So um, I have a cousin um, who lived along with her family, her husband and her two young daughters in Ukraine. Um, this is someone who descends from my, my grandmother's brother, um, uh, my grandmother's brother had a daughter. That daughter is a dead ringer for my mom, um, and they are close. And then this is this woman is the the daughter of that woman, and you know this is my cousin and. They lived in Ukraine. And as you might expect, they were uprooted. Um, They lived in Kiev, but were actually on vacation in Egypt, of all places, were marooned in Egypt when the Russian invasion started, were stuck there for a long time, ended up in Poland for a brief spell, were in Sweden for a brief spell, were in Germany for a brief spell, and as refugees are wont to do, have been pushed by the by history and and giant events have been pushed around. It's been an incredibly traumatic time for them, and due to incredibly hard work from my mother, two months from now they have the necessary paperwork to come to the United States and live. And they're going to be trying to make a life for themselves in the United States. My my mother, bless her heart, has been working as hard as she possibly can to secure lodging for them, to secure employment for them, to secure um, to secure elementary schooling for the girls, to get them enrolled in schools, etc. But we have started a family GoFundMe um, to just try to provide some resources to help them get a start so that they can finally find some stability and hopefully build uh, a new life as Ukrainian refugees in the United States. So if you go to um, westlawpirates.com, you'll see that there is a GoFundMe um, titled My Ukrainian Refugee Family, organized by Kathy Lacombe. If you had $5 to give, if you have $10 to give, again, you know, would really appreciate it. A little way to show your appreciation for the pod um, and, and do uh, make a, a small gesture that will have a really big impact on a family's life. So again, it's, it's on our web, it's on our social media um, please check it out. And if you see fit to, uh, make a small donation, uh, we would very much appreciate it.
2: Um, from, from my side, um, I guess in, in the way of, of awkward pivot, uh, to the NU club hockey team,
1: awkward, but fun pivot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The NU club hockey team whom, um, we have been, uh, Pumping some of their stuff on on uh, uh, on Twitter uh, throughout the the course of this this season, they had an outdoor game a couple weeks ago. Um, they're just a fun squad with, um, you know, pretty uh, pretty jovial about the the way they're matching up with teams and what's coming down the pike, and just you know looking for fans to come out and support them and have fun. Um, as a hockey aficionado, uh, and and as someone who attended an, a couple of new hockey games back in the day, uh, oh, yeah. with Sam um uh pretty tight with the, with an alumni as well nate Prisbillo from from way back in the back in the day uh former co coworker and colleague um anyways super supportive of of this of this team uh they are they're trying to make a bigger mark for a new hockey um at northwestern and uh they're they're looking for fan support they're looking for uh engagement and um as part of that they created these incredible new hockey jerseys for their oh team. My God. These
1: are, these are top 10 jerseys of any Northwestern sport I've ever seen. They call they're incredible.
2: They call them the Lakeville jerseys. Um, they're, they're kind of a like a bluish purple color with an outline of, of the city skyline on them. And they're just, they're sick as hell. They're, uh, they're absolutely incredible. And um, they played in these, uh, in these jerseys last weekend, I believe. um, and based on, I think, you know, response from a whole bunch of fans, including, including us, yeah. um, basically asking an alumni basically asking like, how can I get one of those? Um, they are going to have a Jersey fundraiser for the NU club hockey team, um, whereby you can acquire one of these incredible jerseys. Uh, it's not, it's not up. They've announced that they're going to do it. They haven't announced the details yet. Um, stay tuned to us, uh, Follow uh, at nu ice hockey on Twitter for for updates. I think that's probably where they're most likely going to post this information first. But um, again, these jerseys are sick. Uh, you can check out their Twitter feed to get to get a look at at, at, at the team in action in these jerseys. Um, it's just you know a, a really exciting opportunity to um, help help an up and coming program. Who- who knows, who knows where it could lead? Uh, if nothing else, we'll just have some fun, some, some good old fashioned hockey fun on the way
1: to, to coils and Welsh Ryan, Is that where <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: from, you, oh, from we, your we, mouth to God's ears?
0: Yeah, we could only wish. And, uh, what, one last thing. Um, you know, we mentioned that we're going to be going to, uh, we've got the group going to the Purdue game on Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, uh, with, uh, with, like the posts and the, Alumni club, um, you know, nice big group. Uh, anyone who's going to be going to the Purdue game, we've got a pregame location uh, to get together and hang out. Uh, we're going to the Double Clutch Brewing Company. Um, it, it's a new brew, uh, new brewery in Evanston. Uh, I had not heard of it before, uh, but it looks really, really amazing. Uh, it's at twenty one twenty one Ashland, uh, so like it's just off of Green Bay Road, south of McCormick uh just north of uh, Heckies. Um looks really, really cool. We're gonna be there uh, around 11 o'clock. They know we're coming. So anyone who's gonna be at the Purdue game, come on by double clutch Brewing Company, say hi, grab a drink before the game. Uh, can't wait to, to see as many of you there as possible and then you know we'll just head up the roll head up the road to uh, Welsh Riine arena uh, to see what we can't do about knocking off uh, Purdue. So, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west lot Ryan Field playing the Red Pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.